I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 2, Episode 18, A Bold and Audacious Plan. Capturing the Heights of Asaro, July 1943. In the summer of 1943, 1st Canadian Infantry Division, as part of Bernard Montgomery's British 8th Army, was fighting its way up the centre of the island of Sicily. The division came up against the imposing heights of the town of Asaro, a key German defensive position protecting the centre of the island. The Canadians would go on to capture Asaro in one of the most ambitious and daring assault plans for any Canadian unit in the entire war. This is that story. A reminder before we continue, you can always find us on Facebook and SoundCloud by just searching Cool Canadian History, and if you do go on our Facebook page, please give us a like. As well, you can always find us on iTunes, under iTunes Podcast, where you can get each episode for free. And of course, you can always find us at home on our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. And if you go to the website, you'll notice that at the bottom of the page, there is a donations tab courtesy of PayPal. PayPal has made it very easy for you to donate to the podcast, and every donation is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this bi-weekly history podcast. Today's book recommendation is the classic by none other than legendary Canadian author Farley Mowat, titled The Regiment. Farley Mowat fought with the Hastings and Prince Edward Regiment as part of 1st Division, and was in fact part of the assault on Asaro itself. This is an incredibly well-written first-hand account of Mowat's experience in Sicily, mainland Italy, and later Northwest Europe, and it is a must-read for anyone interested in Canadian military history. So let's set the stage. 1st Canadian Infantry Division landed in Sicily as part of Operation Husky on the 9th of July, 1943. The division was part of Bernard Montgomery's 8th British Army, which was tasked with advancing through the eastern half of the island, while George S. Patton's U.S. 7th Army was tasked with clearing the western half. The Canadians, in fact, played the role of linchpin between the two armies, advancing up the center of the island, cooperating with both British and American units in a series of operations. The Germans and Italians defending the island knew they could not completely stop the Allied advance, yet they sought some key objectives nonetheless. Firstly, 
They sought to delay the Allies for as long as possible, while they evacuated as much men and equipment to mainland Italy across the Straits of Messina. Secondly, they sought to inflict as much damage as possible on the advancing Allies. Thus, the Canadians and other Allied units found themselves constantly having to face well-dug-in German and Italian troops who would fight until the very last second and then withdraw to a defensive position farther back. While certainly many, many Italians surrendered in the face of the Allied onslaught, the Germans held on tenaciously. What incurred was a brutal slogging affair that would soon take its toll on the Allied soldiers fighting in the Italian theater. By later July, the Canadians were facing one of the toughest German defensive positions on the whole island, anchored by the two towns of Leonforte and Assaro. Now both towns, like many Sicilian towns, stood on extremely imposing heights, and they were key pieces in a broader German defensive line known as the Etna Line, stretching down from the north coast, wrapping around the south-southwest angle of Mount Etna, and then connecting to the east coast of the island. The Germans knew that Leonforte and Assaro were crucial to holding the Etna Line. The Germans thus placed their crack veterans of the 15th Panzer Grenadier Division right in the middle, facing the Canadians. Now, most of the Canadians of 1st Division had very little combat experience. For many, in fact, the 11 days they had been on the island had been their only taste of real combat. Yet, they would use a daring plan to overcome the defenses of Assaro. It was the Hastings and Prince Edward Regiment from Eastern Ontario, as part of 1st Canadian Brigade, that would be tasked with solving the Assaro problem. Now, Assaro itself was a village roughly 900 meters above sea level. In and of itself, Assaro was a defender's dream. Rugged hills, narrow roads, and a dominating high ground overlooking a wide open valley. Towering above the town of Assaro, though, another hundred meters were the remains of an old Norman castle where the Germans could easily observe all movements across the valley floor that approached the town. This spot was known as Castle Hill. Any attempt by the Canadians at a frontal assault against Assaro would be suicidal as the valley floor would become a killing zone for German artillery. Reconnaissance by the Hastings and Prince Edward Regiment, or the Hasty Peas as they were commonly called, noted that the approaches facing the Canadians were either too exposed or unclimbable. Yet, to the rear of the heights, specifically on Castle Hill, there were some densely covered goat paths that several members of the Hasty Peas believed could actually be climbed. In fact, the intelligence officer for the Hasty Peas, a man named Lieutenant Cocken, argued that a night assault up the rear of Castle Hill could be achieved. He himself had experienced climbing in the Andes Mountains. The problem was is that the Canadians would have to essentially take a long, roundabout march over rugged terrain and possibly overcome enemy defenses just to get to the rear of Castle Hill. If the Canadians were caught while executing this right hook, the element of surprise would be lost. Now, I've put a map of the battle plan uh, available on our website at coolcanadianhistory.com. Go and check it out. It makes it very clear what we're talking about. Shortly before the attack was to be launched, the commanding officer of the Hasty Peas, Lieutenant Colonel Bruce Sutcliffe, was killed by an artillery shell along with Lieutenant Cocken. 
Sutcliffe's replacement, the Lord Tweedsmere, or Major John Tweedsmere as he liked to be called, continued making plans for the nocturnal right hook. Major Tweedsmere was in fact the son of the late Governor General of Canada, John Buchan. To distract the Germans while the hasty peas executed their flanking maneuver, Tweedsmere ordered three Bren gun carriers, these are fast-moving vehicles with machine guns attached to them, from the 48th Highlander Regiment to race up the road towards Assaro. The Germans, who could easily see these Bren gun carriers coming, opened up on them with everything they had, and the Highlanders quickly retreated. The Canadians then responded with a four-hour-long artillery barrage. This was the go signal, and at 21.30 on the 21st of July, the Hasty Peas left their start line to begin their arduous cross-country march to outflank the Germans. The Canadians were lucky, and their march encountered no resistance. In fact, one of the stories say that they encountered an abandoned machine gun nest, and in it they found freshly baked bread still on a plate, warm. Obviously the Germans had just left. The Hasty Peas reached the rear of Castle Hill at about 0400 on the 22nd of July, with about one or two hours left of darkness. Here, a special assault company was picked to lead the way up Castle Hill. These men were essentially the most fit of the entire regiment. Farley Mowat, in fact, was a lieutenant at the time and was part of this vanguard. The assault force was loaded up with their weapons and all the water and ammunition they could carry. The goat path was not an easy climb. The path was terraced and extremely steep, with deep gullies crisscrossing the heights. In fact, I've actually stood at the bottom of Castle Hill, right below the approaches to the rear, and it is extremely daunting to look up at the top and know that these men had to climb in utter silence and with all speed. The attackers also knew the Germans were on top of Castle Hill, and one slip or loud noise would alert them to this daring night attack. Now at this point, I think it is crucial to understand what the key objective was here. You see, it wasn't that the Canadians were going to take Castle Hill and then stream down into Astro where the bulk of the German defenders were positioned. The crucial objective was to capture and hold Castle Hill, allowing the Canadians to call an accurate artillery fire on the Germans below in Astro itself. To do this, the Canadians had to have a wireless set that could communicate reliably with division artillery to the rear of the Canadian lines. Now, normally, infantry would use its smaller, lighter wireless sets, ones that could be easily carried, of course. But these were often of limited range and could not be relied upon in the mountainous terrain of Sicily. Tweedsmere ordered a larger, heavier, more reliable wireless set to be used, one that would actually normally be attached to tanks, this was strapped to an unfortunate donkey and transported up the slopes behind the vanguard assault force. Thus, the hasty peas set out on what would be a grueling and endurance-testing climb to outflank the Germans. With daylight an hour away, they had no choice but to climb fast and climb hard. Farley Mowat writes about this climb. The going was foul, through a maze of sheer-sided gullies, knife-edged ridges, and boulder-strewn water courses. Absolute silence was each man's hope of survival. There was a faint sound of stones, disturbed by many feet ahead of the assault company. Men sank into the shadows, tensed for the explosion that never came. Instead, a young Sicilian boy came sleepily out of the darkness, driving his herd of goats. The youth stared unbelievingly at the motionless shapes of armed men that surrounded him on every side and then passed on as if in a dream. 
A donkey, laden with a wireless set, was literally dragged forward by its escort until the poor animal collapsed and died. The men went on. Each man who made that climb performed his own private miracle. From ledge to ledge, the dark figures made their way, hauling each other up, passing along their weapons and ammunition from hand to hand. A signaler made that climb with the heavy wireless set strapped to his back, a thing that in daylight would seem impossible. Yet no man slipped, no man dropped so much as a clip of ammunition. It was just as well, for any sound by one of us would have been fatal to all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now at the top, the hasty peas overcame a few German defenders. It was in fact obvious the Germans felt Castle Hill impenetrable by the limited number of men they stationed on it. And as the sun came up, the hasty peas could see the Germans going through their morning routine, utterly unaware that the Canadians now held the highest ground. Quickly, though, the Germans did take notice, and they desperately attempted to get the Canadians off of Castle Hill. In the early hours after sunrise, the hasty peas became engaged in a vicious battle to hold their newly won position. Now, in one of those lucky moments of war, the Canadians had actually captured a high-powered set of binoculars from the Germans positioned on Castle Hill, and they used these to great success, identifying targets for Canadian artillery. With the more reliable wireless set, which a poor donkey sacrificed its life for, the Canadians called in an incessant and superbly accurate artillery fire on the Germans in Acero. Yet the hasty peas were in a tough spot. They had no supply line and quickly they were running out of water as the intense heat of the Sicilian sun started to bake them. Two hasty peas executed a daring run back to brigade headquarters, and were able to escort two companies of the Royal Canadian Regiment, the RCRs, along with as much food, water, and ammunition as could be carried back to the top of Castle Hill. Incredibly, the Germans failed to close the ring around the base of Castle Hill, Apparently, they had no idea that the Canadians got to the top via the rear of the cliff. Now, at this point, that is the afternoon of July 22nd, the Hasty Peas and their RCR reinforcements were firmly entrenched on Castle Hill, and Canadian artillery was delivering death to the German positions. It was the Canadians who could now observe every German movement, and the Germans suffered heavily for it. The Germans knew, in fact, their position was untenable, and by the early evening of the 22nd of July, under a constant Canadian artillery barrage, they withdrew. Acero now belonged to the Canadians. The Canadians in fact suffered no dead during the attack on Castle Hill and Acero, and German casualties are unknown. What we do know, though, is that the war diary for the 15th Panzer Grenadiers writes about the Canadians. It says they were, and I quote, "...in fieldcraft superior to our own troops." Very mobile at night, surprise break-ins, clever infiltration at night with small groups between our strong points. High praise from an experienced enemy. Thus, Acero stands out as a relatively unknown battle in Canadian military history, 
yet one that utilized a daring and audacious plan to outflank and overcome experienced German defenders. Though later battles will see Canadians revert to the classic artillery-backed frontal assault, Asaro stands out as a remarkable tactical achievement for men who had minimal combat experience. Perhaps no one better than Farley Mowat could sum it all up. And he says, while it was no great victory in terms of casualties inflicted on the enemy, Asaro was nevertheless a spectacular triumph of endurance and initiative, and the spirit of the men, subdued temporarily by their first baptism of heavy shellfire, now rose to unprecedented heights. Sadly, this will be the final episode of Season 2. We shall be reconvening in September with a whole new season of cool Canadian history, so I hope you all have a great summer. Now, if you want a bit of homework over the summer, and who doesn't, right? Please go and watch the film Last of the Mohicans, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Season 3 will open up with an episode looking at the connections between this great Hollywood epic and early Canadian history. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.